footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 337-706-0111. 706-0111 will be doing... Quite a few interviews today, but there will be time. Now's a good time to get in. If you have thoughts on what's anything that's going on, we'll be having our weekly catch-up with Stevie P next. Uh, and then in the 10 o'clock hour, we'll be talking to our friend Craig Melanson about quite a few things and then horse racing at uh, 1035 with Mr. Tom. So, and he's in California, so he's having to wake up, be ready for 8.35 for a 10.35 interview here. So he's going to be feeling what I always complain about, um, these networks and leagues that think that New Orleans and Houston is in a different time zone than Chicago. I don't know. They just all fail geography, I guess. But... I made it till halftime last night, and I like the game was supposed to start at eight thirty. Didn't start till what eight fifty something. And I, I already went on a rant about that. Like, I get why they did it. Just put the game on a different channel for the first five minutes. Let's start it. On yeah, time. like I, it's the NBA. You don't need to watch the first ten minutes of an NBA. I made game it till anyway. halftime. Then I was. I, I, I just, well, I unfortunately stayed up and watched yeah, it, but it's okay. I didn't, I, I didn't do it past halftime. Um, I just. I did the I tried and I was like five minutes into it and I'm like, this is not gonna happen. <laughs> I just at halftime that was it. Um I got up and saw what happened and I guess it's a good news, bad news. If you're a serious Pels fan, it's like it puts you out of your misery. Like we've been using that term for a while. And um you know, what were they down nine going into the fourth and, and had several leads in the fourth. It just, you know, they just as easily could have won and lost, but they lost, and, uh, you know, obviously their chances of them really playing well like they did last year, did, you know, I don't know that any, I don't know if even the most optimistic Pels fans saw that coming. Um, and so playing at the level that you did last year, I, I don't think anybody saw that coming. So, you know, I guess – optimistic way of looking at it is put you out of your misery and then you got a lot of figuring out to do. Uh, there's also a lot of upset, I'm sure, UL softball and baseball fans to, I don't know, rough losses. I was going to say bad. I mean, you know, one thing that I'll say, I, I when Coach Glasgow was on yesterday, he was talking about pitching Carly Heath and I'm like, she ain't pitching what two or three weeks? Too big. Why, why, why? That I did not understand. Like she hadn't pitched in a while. Uh, I, I I I didn't I didn't get that. But you know, I thought they pitched pretty well against Baylor on Tuesday. Not great, but pretty well. If they had pitched that well yesterday, of course, A and M's probably a little better hitting team. But I mean, A and M only got five hits. They just walked too many batters, made a couple errors. So, 
you know, they, the Cajuns got 10 hits yesterday. They doubled their hit total and got doubled in the score. That's not supposed to happen. I mean, every once in a while that stuff's going to happen. I get it, but it's not supposed to happen. So it was, um, you know, I, I don't it, – it, it's frustrating because, like, the real negative fans are going to say, well, they're just not good enough to beat those teams. But they didn't look outclassed in either game. They just didn't get it done. I mean, it just – they didn't get it done. You got to make defensive plays. You know, and I've been saying all along – and we're going to have the discussion a lot over the next month. We'll probably have it with Stevie P in the next segment. I am on the side of I'd rather travel than as as a 17, 18, 19 seed than to host as a 14, 15, or 16 seed. I mean, I, I just, I would. I would rather do that. Um, and for the record, it also sounds like Coach Glasgow's on your side with that from what he said yesterday. Well, I think he's kind of resigned. Don't you think? I, I, I think in his mind, when they lost to Baylor, he kind of resigned himself to that. I, I I could be reading too much into it, but that's kind of what it sounded like yesterday. Yeah, which, you know, I mean. I thought it was a little premature. And, you know, like, again, as we've talked about, it's, it's, it's a new thing. Because in the past, we knew once they got to whatever the RPI is, once you get the Sunbelt play, subtract so many spots because you just know your RPI is going to drop because you're going to have to play a couple of teams that are bad. Well, now we don't necessarily know that that's the case. And so I guess you're still in wait and see mode. They're, they're, they only they stayed at 11. They didn't drop again. So Again, the scary thing to me is they're going to host as a 16 seed, and that's just all. Although, actually, this the, the updated RPI doesn't have last night's game in. So we'll see what, when, they, when they go in. Well, they shouldn't drop four. I mean, uh, right. you know, A&M's RPI 19, had moved up yeah. to 19, I think, going yeah, into last 19. night. So we'll see. But that's my thing. I don't, I don't know if it's dead yet because, you know, you ha- you're going to have the yeah, RPI numbers. Now, are now you going to have hope, the... You kind of hope it is dead because you don't want to be a, a... Well, but again, if, you, if they go RPI-based and you're sitting at 12 or 13, yeah, then that's kind of where you want it to be anyway. Oh, I know it. You know, know that's not going to happen. On the baseball side, I am not a big fan of five-game weeks especially when you're playing someone who's not on a five-game week. And, you know, when the Cajuns played Southeastern here, they beat them two to nothing. They, you know, they it wasn't like a face crushing. Um, And Southeastern did not play Tuesday. Southeastern due to win because they've been losing. They got swept over the weekend. And, you know, the... We use the word bad a lot. I just, I just, I think, I think the thing that some people miss on, like when I hear terms like great and bad, I kind of cringe inside sometimes because it's all about interpretation. I, I, I just, when you, when you say someone is bad in baseball, it's, there, there are relative terms to that. I, I agree that there are some teams that are really, really bad. Like, when was that? Three or four years ago when Cajun baseball, however long that was, when they played that St. Peter's team, they were bad. But we also, we, we'll, we'll, we'll say teams like Southeastern or Louisiana Tech are bad. That, a bad team 
in basketball or a quote-unquote bad team at that level in football or a quote bad team at that level in baseball are not the same thing. Yeah, no. It's and, not the same. And Southeastern. And I don't think people get that. That's what goes back to Skip in the not late 80s that I, that I get. So like, that's a football question. And that's what he was talking about. I, I think people misinterpret that. No, I agree. Because, again, like, yeah, they're not. They And, and also what's going to look bad or what people are going to point to is they got outscored, you know, by 20 runs against Southeast. I mean, against UNO this weekend, last weekend, lost, got swept. They also went to Auburn and won two out of three against the number 11 team in the nation early, like a couple of months ago. Like they, They're not a bad baseball team, and we know that basically any team in the state isn't bad. Right. They're not good. Right. But again, if you played that team in basketball, you should beat them. Mm-hmm. Okay. That level. I'm talking about yeah. that level relative to everyone else. And of course, but in, in baseball, football, the same way. Yeah. On, 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 a, on a Wednesday, uh, you know. Which now. We've seen it happen. Right. And, and, and so over I don't. Over and over and over again. It's, it's not at all like. And, and again, it's not even like the Cajuns played that poorly. They lost a 5 4 game in which they couldn't find some offense in the last few innings. But the other thing to think about is that. It's not a bad loss, and I don't think they should be, you know, ashamed by the performance in any way. But with what you're trying to do and positioning your RPI and stuff moving forward, yeah. it's going to hurt. So, you know, yeah, both I can mean, be true. You can't, it, it may, to your point, it may not be, but it kind of, I kind of feel like, okay, we've been playing this RPI game in both of them. Now, I, at this point, I, I kind of feel like after yesterday, you just just stop worrying about that and just go play and win as many games as you can. Whoever it falls, it falls. I mean, that may not be a good mentality to have, but it, I, I think that's kind of where they are now. It's like if you had won one of these two games and you can keep playing that RPI game, but now you know you could have won both games, but you didn't, and so now you just have to move, just try to. Win as many games as you can the rest of the way. Whatever happens, happens. And you just have to hope that you get it done then. You know, just like baseball. Baseball got it done in Montgomery last year. Um, They got to just go win as many games as they can from here out and hope they get it done at the end. I mean, that's just that's just, just kind of where I am on, on that. So, we'll – and again, you know, wins, if they go and – Win two or three or three out of three this weekend, then it, it kind of changes your mentality. But I am just, especially late in the year, I get five game weeks early in the year. Not a big fan of five game weeks late in the year. Because by this time, you should kind of start to figure out where everything is. You're not experimenting as much. Not a fan of five game weeks. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. I know that um, Dawson doesn't believe in this, but I guess it was just pure coincidence that the Cubs scored two runs yesterday after scoring 14 the day before. That was coincidence. But you didn't say it when the, the Rays— The Piper had nothing the, to do with it. When the Rays scored double-digit runs back-to-back games over last weekend, you didn't say right, it, Right, but then the next game they scored one. Okay, because obviously, like I've been saying— No, they, it's because the Piper got No, the Piper doesn't exist. He's no, the Piper definitely Foot's exists. Imagination. No, the Piper exists. You, the Piper has to get paid. Has no, to. He doesn't. Oh, no, he has to get paid. The, the Cubs paid the Piper yesterday. Now, the— Rays won again. Yeah. 
Um, they're twelve and zero, and there's a there's a million ways to look at this. One of them is they're four games up with 150 to go. Now, I understand, uh, you know, if you look at historically, the teams that have done this well haven't actually had great seasons. So if I'm a Rays fan, it's, um, it's um, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Now, what I do think it's going to do for for – and this is going to be a, a strange dynamic from here on out. You know, most people nationally just dismiss the Rays always, even though they've been consistently good for a long time now. They just dismiss them. Well, now, because they're getting all this publicity, I don't think they're going to be dismissed for the rest of the season like the national mindset has been for so long. They... they um. The, so I, I think the Rays are going to be treated differently now. Nah, I think that's the the because of this uh, hot streak that 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 they're on, to, and, and because of all the publicity they've gotten from it. So we'll see how that plays out long term. All right, we'll take a timeout, and Stevie P on the other side. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, it's one of those days where kind of just like to listen to Marshall Tucker all the way through, but we can't do that. Welcome back to Footnotes. We have with us our good friend Stevie P. How are you, sir? I'm doing about as well as Mauricio Dubon. Uh, Kevin, how are you? Man, man, we'll we'll get to Mauricio Dubon and... Uh, that, it's kind of funny how, that, how that's working out. But anyway, look, I want to start with um, rant material. I, I, I um, you know, there, there's a lot of Pelican fans today that are very upset and 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 and, and worried about the future. Which organization is in better shape right now, or in more confused shape right now, the Pelicans or the Mavericks? Oh, the Mavericks. I mean, yeah, we don't we don't know that Kyrie Irving's gonna gonna even resign. We don't know if the Mavericks are gonna have a first round draft choice. I mean, what what happens? And look, I I don't think this is gonna happen. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not the king of negativity. At least I don't think so. But what happens if Kyrie Irving doesn't resign with them, and then either the NBA takes away? their number 10 pick for tanking, or here's the thing that a lot of people are talking about. They're not guaranteed to have the 10 pick because of the lottery. There's still a a 20% chance that they'll fall out of the top 10. And if they fall out of the top 10, then the Knicks get that pick. So you lost Jalen Brunson last year for nothing. You you gave up a first-round draft choice for Christian Wood, which you're going to lose for nothing. 
in this scenario, you would be losing Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, a future first-round draft choice in the Kyrie Irving trade, and then you'd be losing uh, uh, Kyrie and a, a possible pick in a, you know, first-round pick. You'd lose all of that, and you would have nothing to show for it other than David Burton. You know who, who's the guy that they got in the uh, 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 in the Christoph Porzingis trade? You would lose all all of that draft choices. Whereas the Pelicans and look, people are jumping on CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum did not play a good game last night. All right, but here's a cat that over nine consecutive years scored over twenty points per game. All right, he, he's a good player. He's not a great player. He's a good player. He had a bad night last night. All right. Brandon Ingram is it was their best player this year. He actually scored more points, more rebounds, and actually dished out more assists than McCollum, and he had a better uh, you know, field goal percentage. It's all about Zion, and you can't give up on him right now. He's too good of a talent, and you and it would be pennies on the dollar. So you bring those guys back next year and hope that they all stay healthy. If it doesn't work out next year. Uh, Brandon Ingram, I think, has two years left on his deal, so next year would be a, a good time to trade him if you're going to, you know, implode the team uh, because he'd have one year left on his on his deal. Uh, you know, McCollum will be what 32 next year, so that's getting a little bit iffy in terms of maybe his, him, you know, regressing to the point that it's really, really noticeable. But what I'm saying is, you're going in next year if you're the Pelicans. Uh, I, I'm looking at them today, and I'm saying Zion Williamson for sure. Well, no, but there is nothing for sure about him. You don't know if he's going to even play. Well, but he's on your he's on your roster. I get it, and you know how I am about guys playing. But uh, you know you're not going to trade him because you're thinking, okay, he's going to play. You're at least you're hoping that he's going to play. But you got him on your roster for sure. You got Brandon Ingram on your roster for sure, and you got T.J. McCollum on your roster for sure. With the Mavericks right now, the only guy that they're going to have for sure is Luka Doncic. And trust me. I don't have any inside information. I just got a brain. If Kyrie Irving doesn't re-sign with the Mavericks and they lose their pick, their first-round pick uh, uh, this year, and they don't have a first-round pick next year, where are they going to get people from? They're going to lose Luka Doncic. But, okay, the, 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 uh, if, as of now, Luka's the only guy on, the, uh, on their roster that is really worth anything, whereas the Pelicans have three. So I don't I don't think that's even an argument. The Pelicans. Well, but the thing is, do you even if you're a Mavericks fan, do you even want Kyrie on your team? Well, yes, because uh, you know it, it is what it is. The trade already happened. I wouldn't have made the trade, but now that you did, you cannot afford to lose him for nothing. You gave up too many assets. You have to have him at least with him. You could you know bring in a free agent or a guy signing trade. To say, okay, look, if I go over there and I could play with Luca and I could play with uh, with Kyrie, you know, uh, hey, big three, you know, we can make something happen here. So I think the Mavericks are in a situation where they absolutely positively have to uh, keep Kyrie Irving because again, if they don't re-sign Kyrie, I think there's a ninety percent chance that they lose Luca. All right, so I know we we played about two weeks uh, in Major League Baseball and. It's unbelievable to me every year how many people make rash generalizations based on two weeks. But yes. and, but please tell me, and, and I fear that you already are there, uh, 
you know, I've already seen people panicking about Jose Abreu. He's a total bust, and and, and he's played for two weeks, and he's hitting about two nine. Yeah, well, look, Abreu, we saw it last year. He, he he's he's regressing in the point where he's not going to put up the major power numbers. But Abreu's a, a, a you know, I hate to use the term because I think it's overused. A professional hitter. Abreu at the end of the year is going to be right around a 290. He's going to hit 20 to 25 homers, probably closer to 25, and he's going to drive in 90 runs. You know, people are just uh, – you're right. I mean, they it's the, it's the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, the Astros right now are, what, 6-7? Six and seven. That's the same exact record that they've had the last four years. 20, 21, 22, and now 23. They've had the same exact record after all those times. And what do all those years have in common? They, they, they made the playoffs every year, including winning the World Series last year. It, it's not – I mean, you know, uh, I joked about Mauricio Dubon. And, and look, Mauricio Dubon's a, a, for everything that you read about him, he's a beloved guy. I mean, all of his teammates, all of them in San Francisco. Well, he looks 12 years old. Yes. They all just love him and they want him to do well. He can't hit. He just can't. He's a great defensive player. Mauricio Dubon is the Astros. He's their best center fielder. He's their best shortstop. And I know they got Jeremy Pena. He's their best defensive shortstop. He's their best second baseman. He can't hit. But, you know, you heard all this stuff during the offseason where he changed his swing a little bit, and, you know, uh, lessened his leg stance, uh, shortened his leg stance, and, and all this. And, and you tend to, like, look at that a little bit and, you know, just kind of, okay. Whatever. Look, he's let's, hitting let's, right let's now, and I, I appreciate any hit he gets. I just, I mean, he's hitting right now. I just hope he hits as much as he can. He got to win as many games as we they can, and, and and you know, and you know, until we get to June and see what happens. Yeah, that guy is not going to hit at the level that he is. Uh, the game is going to catch up with him. Alex Bregman is going to hit. He's not going to hit a one eighty three. The guy I'm a little worried about is Jeremy Pena, just because he was a rookie last year. And I but think you were worried about him last year. Well, yeah, I, he's I got bat speed. You know, He's got, he's got a hole in his swing. I'm just telling you. He's got a hole in his swing. Now, I'm not worried about him long term. I mean, I think he's going to be the Astros shortstop for the next 10 years unless they lose him to free agency. I just think that a lot of guys in that situation with his his swing normally take a step back before they take a step back forward. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And, and you know, they, 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 they get – so far, obviously, the pitching hasn't been good, but they've given up the same amount of runs as they did last year at this time, and they're actually hitting the ball way better than they were last year through the first 13 games. So I don't want to overanalyze two weeks, but it's, it is it is it is amazing to me how many people are making crazy generalizations. All right. Uh, you were, have been around Cajun softball for a long, long time. Because they haven't won a regional – in so long, have you changed your opinion on whether you'd rather be a uh, 17, 18, 19 seed or would you rather be a 14, 15, 16 seed? Uh, no, I, I, I still think the whole goal, and look, it's nice to win a regional, but I still think the whole goal is to get to the College World Series. But I think that's getting harder and harder. As a matter of fact, I was just having this conversation with, uh, with our friend, Bobby Niva, who I, I'll always remember from 2013, I, I, I had like food poisoning and I, I knocked on his hotel uh, uh, door at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. Cat told, told me to go away. He didn't want to help me at all. But anyway, 
uh, when it's <laughs> look what what happened in the final four with FAU in San Diego State, Kevin. It's easier for those teams from a non-power from a non-major conference. It's easier for teams to make the final four than it is for teams from non-power conferences to go to the College World Series in softball. Number one, there's more parity in basketball. Number two, uh, you, you, uh, softball, you play at home sites, whereas in, in basketball, you don't. And then number three, the way that the, you know, the brackets are set up, in basketball, you could be a number 16 seed and have the game of your life and be the number one seed. But in softball, you know, the top seed might lose to the number four seed. Well, guess what? They could still come back and win the tournament as what happened with, with, with you know, Cajun baseball when they were, you know, a number one seed and lost to a four seed and came back and, 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 and won the regional. But I, I just think that with the way the brackets and, and the game is being played right now, it's, uh, it's easier to make the final four as a non you know, power conference team that it is in softball. And I still think that the way that we get to the college world series is to, you know, be one of those, you know, uh, uh, eight, nine type of seats, a team that could do that. So it'll be interesting to see what they, I mean, they had a rough week. I mean, let's face it. They, they, they lost two games that they could have won. It definitely would have helped them. But, um, you know, I, I still think that the whole goal is to get to the college world series. It's nice to win a regional, but the whole goal is to get to the college world series. I I I I concur, and then uh, you know we'll see what happens on the way out. All right, so um, I, real quick before we go, have you changed your opinion or your or your thought process of what you think the Saints are going to do, or and or have you changed what you want them to do? No, to to to, to either one. I think they're going to pick the best player on the board. I mean, I know that they've had. You know, uh, a lot of visits, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Uh, and I think they're going to take the best player on the board. Uh, you know, again, I know you're in love with Bajon Robinson. I think he's a tremendous talent. Number one, you're not going to get him anyway. <laughs> Number two, I still say that I, I, would not, uh, I would not take him. But, you know, uh, other, than, other than quarterback, running back, receiver right now even though they do need a red zone threat um uh and obviously kickers and and, and safeties and cornerbacks yeah other, other, other than, than about that, 12 I'm, I'm positions anybody, it's getting close right now it's a it's a it's a it's a key pick for them but uh i i really do think they're going to pick somebody that uh that i'm going to be happy with and somebody that can help them in the uh in the uh in the upcoming season all right, one more. I, I lied. Brian Branch, yes or no? Yeah, I mean you don't you don't like him? Oh, I, I'm I'm getting more and more intrigued with him every day. But I, I, oh. I we'll, we'll talk more about that next week, perhaps because we're it's two weeks from today. Oh man! All right, Steve. Thanks for your time as always. As always, it's your pleasure, Kevin. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ooh. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Open phone lines for the rest of this first hour and the first segment of the next hour. So um, if you would like to get in, uh, a lot of a lot has been discussed. We talked a little bit about the NBA. We've talked uh, bad losses or whatever, rough losses, disappointing, whatever word you want to use for baseball. You had baseball and softball yesterday and how you interpret all that. Uh, we talked, hinted a little bit at what happened in Major League Baseball. Astros got their first series win of the year last year. I mean, uh, yesterday they are six and seven, and I don't know if you um, if you saw it, but it was um, Michael Schwab who hoped to get on next week. And by the way, I, I uh, I've already kind of con- uh, communicated with Luke. Uh, he said this week wasn't as good, but next Thursday, a week from today, one week out, we'll be talking to Luke to see what he's thinking about the Saints one week before the NFL draft, a week from today, next Thursday. And I'm hoping to get Michael Schwab on next week. But Michael texted out yesterday. Last year at this time, through through 13 games, the Astros were 6-7. and seven. Right now, through 13 games, they're 6-7. and seven. Last year they had allowed they had scored 44 runs. This year they've scored 66 runs. Last year they had allowed 52 runs. This year they've allowed 53 runs, which they've given up almost the exact number of runs. So they weren't pitching very well. Last year at this time their team batting average was 200. Their team batting average right now is 256 and they had hit the same amount of home runs 14 last year through 13 games as they have so far. This year, uh, 14 through 13 games. So, again, it's just a reminder. It's the beginning of the season, and there's a long way to go. Whether you're the Rays. Now, look, I understand that you have teams like like the A's. Um, there's a couple other, like the Tigers. Do you realize? Do you realize? <laughs> The Detroit Tigers beat the Astros twice. They haven't beaten anybody else. They haven't won another game. So if you're the Tigers or you're the the um, the A's, you know, uh, I, I admire you if you're an optimistic fan and you say it's early, but I, I don't. I just don't. I don't see it. But most other teams, you know, it's early. And, and, and it, you know, it's two weeks in the middle of a season and, you know, at the beginning of the year and, and, and way too much is being made about what ha- what has happened or not happened with the few exceptions. I mean, again, we knew going into the season what kind of year that this was going to be for the A's. And uh, the Piper helped them yesterday. And they, after getting their face crushed by the Baltimore, they came back and won a game yesterday. But, you know, it kind of. That's going to happen here and there, but for the for for the vast majority of teams and players, it's it's really really early. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello, Pelly fans have no fear. The Knicks are in. Hey, how's it going, Foot? All right, so I haven't really examined it. What does your playoff road look like? 
Well, I rolled for the Knicks, man. We played the Cavs first. I think we can take them in seven games. We have to win one on the road game because the Cavs. In seven games? And we just got to hope that somebody beat the um, Bucks, and because I know we can beat everybody else. You know, um, when you look on the west side, I mean, I think the Lakers have the best shot. Um, second, I have the Kings have the best shot. Anybody else is given. The, the West is weak, of course. Been telling Rockefeller that, but he lives in a dream <laughs> world, of course. <laughs> you like the Kings? I, I think I think they because the West is so weak, is wide open. They've been doing so great this year. I could see them not winning the chip, but just going to the to the play, to the championship or at least the conference finals. Now that now that would. <laughs> You know, again, I, I would I, I've never I've never cared about the Kings. I mean, I kinda like the old Kansas City Kings with Tiny Archibald before he lost his <laughs> mind and went to Boston. And uh Mark Oberdeen I, played on those teams. But um no, I I, I, I kinda like the Kansas City Kings, but I haven't cared about them since then. But I I, 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 I would I would get a good chuckle. I would enjoy the Kings making the finals, but I don't think it's gonna happen. I, so I'm like you, but I like underdogs, and I like to start watching the Kings when they had Spud Webb over there. And they, I mean, they weren't good or nothing, but you know, I, I like Spud. And you know, I just love underdogs, and you know, they're underdog California team. Okay, but who but would you, I, again? Who would you play in your second round if you beat the Cavaliers? I'm not worried about second round yet. We got to focus on the first one, foot because. I got Ron and a lot of people that yeah. I know really want us to get bounced out the first the round. I just want to get the first man. round so they can't get over. <laughs> well, the answer is Boston, but they but they kind of own Boston. They play well against Boston. I, I yeah, think so they we, match we, up we with Boston. Boston this year. O- own might be a strong word, but they match up pretty well with Boston. I don't. We I don't sure think. Do. I think but to Boston, Paul's point, they fear the Bucks really. more than they fear the Celtics. Matchup wise. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the only thing our two, our three competitors is is the um, Cavs. I'll say Philly, but Philly, both of those guys like to choke, and there's injuries. And then you, you just got the Bucks, man. That that dude Greek freak is what he is. Boston get in their own way. Same as Miami, you know, got some teams that get in their own way. The Knicks sometimes get in their own way, but I think this is a great year for us, but. I think it's a great year. I think Look, once we know this. I got nothing the against the Knicks. We're going to get our stomach and we're going to do right. When you play and the Celtics, I'll be pulling for you. If you play the Celtics, I'll be pulling for you. So. Oh, that's what's up. You and now I, I will be on the same side. Put that Knicks jersey on since Pelicans gone. <laughs> if you're a Pelican fan, you might as well put a Knicks no, jersey on. No, I'm not a Pelican fan. with the big dogs. No. Foot, question. Yes. Did you check out that, um, that um, link I showed you last night that on the YouTube? I'm not sure what you're talking about. Oh, well, I sent you something. I think I, I know since RP3. Well, look, they got at a, at a fine time, they're coming out with this great movie, True Story, about the GOAT and the GOAT team. You ever heard of Nate Sweet P. Clifton? Yes, sir. Okay, he's pretty much like the Jackie Robinson of the NBA and so on and what this story. They're making a movie about him. Okay. And, you know, that's going to be a great movie. So I think that's going to motivate my Knicks to win this chip. And when we win, like LeBron said to Cleveland, we're going to say, Sweet Pete, this is for you. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm out. Okay. Go Knicks, baby. <laughs> now, look, the Knicks ain't winning it. They're not winning a title. That's not happening. But uh, but I'll be pulling for them if they, if they beat the Cavs. I, I've never had anything against the Cavs either, so I, I wouldn't mind if the Cavs win. But, um. I think the Knicks would have a better chance of beating the Celtics than the Cavaliers would. 
So I'm going to be hoping his Knicks win. But, no, they're not winning a championship. You, you're dreaming. The man's dreaming. But it's okay. you got to be able to dream. This is the time to dream. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. I want to get back to our conversation yesterday with Guru about the draft. And look, we all just have our impressions and our guesses and, and our wants and desires and what we think. And we're guessing on, we're trying to guess on what we think the Saints are going to do. And to be fair, a lot of us have been thinking the same way as the Saints in recent years, and we're probably starting to get a little spoiled in that way. But with all that said, I don't know what it is. I I can't totally explain it. But Guru yesterday brought up the two Clemson guys, Brzee, the defensive tackle, and Murphy, the more of the edge rusher. And I just, I just don't have a good feeling out of both of them. To me, they just both have bust written all over them. I, I just, I, I know Brazil was one of the because we've been talking defensive tackle for so long in this draft process. Brazil was one of the first ones that have come up, but you're starting to see more people picking him in the second round. He's got a history of injuries. I just I just don't think I want I, I just think he has bush written all over him. And something about Murphy, I just I don't trust. I just I could be wrong. I mean, none of us know. We're just speculating. But I just I just want to stay clear of both of those Clemson guys. I just do not have good feelings about those two guys. I don't want any uh, either one of those Clemson um, players. And I'm almost mad at Joey, but I'm not. I'm happy that he's done this because, again, I don't want to get the more. Again, it, it's not that Brian Branch was not on my mind. He kind of was on the periphery of it. Like, I've had him written down and, I, you know, he people have been talking about him and predicting him. Anywhere from the middle to the late of the first round, quite, you know, almost every time. So it's not like he just came out of nowhere, but he's just kind of been on the shelf. It's just not a position we've been focusing on. But I think you can make a real argument that um, that it's a need position. And I also think it could be an impact decision position I mean I don't I think I don't think he's gonna be the attitude that he I think he can bring a lot of the things that Chauncey Gardner Johnson brought 
but but from more of an intellectual standpoint and not a okay, let's fight and get you and get thrown flags thrown on you standpoint. So I mean, if you're asking me if my choices are them two Clemson guys or Brian Branch, I want Branch in a hurry. But think about I, I just you could see Branch being a really valuable backup for a year or two even, and then being a full-time starter for a long time after that. How, how, how could you how could you think, how could we any of us think that's not a good idea? Like I haven't heard and the only thing I don't like about him is his size. But not all great safeties are, or as I said yesterday, built like Steve Atwater. There are plenty of guys who are great safeties who are not, you know, six two, six three, knock your head off kind of guys. So I just, I'm starting to warm up to that way more. But I am not warming up again. These Clemson guys. And look, if any of you think differently, I'd love to. I, I, I'd love for you to explain why, just because maybe I'm missing something here. But I, you know, I've, 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 Brzee and Murphy have been part of this draft talk since day one. You know, it was probably at the very beginning. You know, shortly after the Super Bowl, we were seeing more people say him than just about anyone for the Saints. And I just. I'm just the more I read about them and just read you read their draft profiles and what people say, I just it just I do not have a good feeling at all. Saw another mock draft yesterday that has the Saints picking Nolan Smith. I just don't think he's gonna be there. That's something Guru and I agree on. I, I just I just don't really think he's gonna be there. What I and um and so it I, I I'm you know, I don't know. I'm. I, I guess I've. You know, there's certain people that I've kind of crossed off that I thought were options. For some reason, I've. Con- a lot of people were saying can't see at the beginning. I've kind of crossed him off as an option. So even though we were talking about him so much, like uh, like six weeks ago, if they pick him, it's not going to come out of nowhere because we spent a lot of time talking about him early on. But I think I'm going to be surprised. I, I just, the more I think about it, I just don't see the Saints picking him. And so if they do, I'll be surprised, even though we've spent a lot of time talking about it and a lot of people early on predicted that. But again, it is two weeks from today. So it's getting, um, I would think the Saints have a pretty good idea of what they hope is going to happen. But again, you never know who's going to trade up. And, and and something else from what Stevie P said, don't forget this is the Saints we're talking about. And I agree that there's probably, I really don't think, you know, I don't know that I could do 10 mocks and I don't think any one of them are going to have Bajon Robinson drop into 29. But this is the Saints. If they really feel about him like I do and a lot of people do, uh, uh, have you ever known the Saints to trade up? Uh, yeah, a lot. They, they, uh, they, they still, 
you know, uh, Casper was a Sears catalog guy, but it wasn't just, it's not just Casper. He wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't the only Sears catalog guy and they all just followed him and did what he wanted. Uh, I think Mickey's got some Sears catalog guy in him as well. And so they, they kind of have a history of they what they like. If it gets closed, they go get them. So don't be shocked by that. One hour to follow, another one hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome. Back to footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 706 0111. 706 0111. If you would like to get in, now is the best time to do it because we're going to be doing a lot of interviews uh, the rest of this hour. So, uh, again, now is the best time to do it if you would like to get in and uh, get lots to talk about. Uh, if you're a disgruntled UL baseball or softball fan, we certainly got plenty of issues to discuss. LSU baseball starts tonight. Really, I, I think... Obviously, in the SEC, you got a lot of great series. This one, I don't know if I would use the word great like on paper the South Carolina series looked or the Tennessee series looked or the Arkansas series looked, but it's interesting. This is an intriguing one to me just because, you know, LSU's lost a game in each series, which I don't think a lot of people would have predicted. And I don't know that anybody would have predicted that on t- going into tax weekend, Kentucky would be the number one RPI team in the country. I didn't look again today, but they were as of yesterday. Um, you know, that's kind of surprising. They're 18 and one at home, and they're playing in Baton Rouge. So, uh, you know, it will not surprise me at all if LSU gets their first conference weekend sweep. But, again, Kentucky is not – I think if you looked at the schedule a month ago, you'd have been thought, well, a little bit of a break. Well, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say you got a break when you're playing the number one RPI team in the country. So, again, I don't know that it's going to be a great weekend, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens between LSU and if Kentucky – how much of a fight Kentucky can put up. Um, you know, we'll see how, how that plays out this weekend. And then obviously we've got the, the Pels are out. So a lot of people's interest in the NBA are going to wane now that the Pels are out around this area, but not, um, not this next person who is on the game hotline. I wouldn't think. Hello. No, I guess, I guess you're right, Kevin. You know, I was telling Dalton, I had to correct him. I said, uh, if Cleveland uh, is, is a four seed, the Knicks are the five seed, they, whoever wins that series is going to be lined up against the Bucks. Okay. But you know, that's how I was on my call on about. Yes, Kevin, you are accurate. What went down with softball and baseball last night did not make me happy. That first inning for the boys' baseball team, the way they lolly got hacked around that, that, that bottom of that first inning, 
I could tell right there they were going to lose that game. Well, um, I, I did not see it, so fill me in on a few of those details. Yeah, well, they didn't even know it was two. Uh, 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 they had a chance to turn a double play. Uh, Willis forgot it was only one. Uh, he thought it was two away, but it was only one away. When he got the, uh, the chance to do the relay at the, at the first base, he just all thought it was three away. Guy got on short enough. They, uh, I don't know if that guy just scored on that play, but they scored on the next play. I mean, and there was something else they did that in. They had a, they had a, 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 a it wasn't a foul ball, but it was like close to the line. Three of them converged, and all they were all looking at each other. It fell in between them, sure enough. Anyway, when when that happened that first inning there, I knew they were going to lose that game. And as for the well, – I love Coach Glasgow, but, man, Kevin, why, why are you trying to save your – I know you, you said on the interview yesterday he was trying to save his pitches for this weekend. He wanted to keep them fresh. Okay, but then he still pitched them at the end of the game once the uh, the, the true freshman got in trouble and uh, – He's got in trouble, and the game got away right there. I, look, I don't understand at all why Carly Heath was pitching in that game. I, I I was surprised when he mentioned that, how much of an option she would be yesterday. I Look, I, 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 I think in terms of the way they're handling the pitchers, there are a lot of people out there that are being a little bit hypocritical in that you know, when, when, when the Cajuns used the old traditional way of, of riding, whether it was Summer or whatever, whoever the ace was, and all we ever said was, well, we need that, we need that. Well, now that they have that, they're like, they, it seems like every some, there's a certain element that want to go back to where we use the same pitcher for every inning, you know, to pitch complete games all the time. So I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of both ways there. But Corley hadn't even been pitching like she – she, it's it was too big of a game to throw someone who hadn't thrown in two weeks. I didn't understand that at all. That was crazy to me. And then when she when she went out the second inning, she walked that first batter. Then he put uh, the, the freshman in there, you know, and she just she just was just like gasoline on the fire. I mean, the, and look, the, and then, on another inning, they, they committed two errors back to back. I mean, that wasn't you know no coaching, but you know that right. That, to me, that is basically they gave that game to Annie last night. I mean, Lady Crater, she's something else, isn't she? She's she's on an incredible run, no question. And um, yes, I mean, you know, they out hit them ten to five, and they just <laughs> thank you. That was that was that was a I, I don't I do not understand, but I, I I'm okay with mixing and matching your pitchers, but I, I just was not okay with. And look, I was even more surprised she gave up the homer and then she walked about her. Normally, they pull in that situation. I, I I was I was surprised at all how how all that went down. Yes. No. Well, in, in translation to me, I, the, the more the, the thing that was more important was the weekend series. Okay, that's fine. Then why then why even schedule these games back to back on a? But I don't I don't believe that series? he really believes that though. I I, I, I mean they're all important because they you know they're all top forty RPI teams, but th- this was a top twenty RPI team. I think this win would would have done wonders for him. Yeah, well, they didn't get it. Yes. You know, so I mean, you can well. We were talking about being a fourteen or fifteen seed or a sixteen seed. So forget about that now. I tell you right there, not winning either one of them games there. I think right there. Well, I, I still think game. sixteen is in play, and I want no part of it. Well, you right, see, Kevin, because I, I appreciate the call. Thing, I, I, I really here's what I worry about. I. The committee, we talked about it yesterday, how they can be so self-serving and they're so biased. I, I'm worried that a program like the Cajuns, they'll like, okay, we're tired of hearing about this. 
We'll just give them the 16th seed and let them host, and then it's like just throwing them to the wolves. I, I don't want any part of that deal. I just – I hope that yesterday doesn't mean they're going to be a 15 or a 16 seed. Let's hope anyway. Um, let's uh, go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello, this is CJ. Howdy, sir. I was just wondering if we had any knowledge with LSU softball. I don't hear too much about them. I know they're a top 15 team in the nation. Did you understand? I, I, uh, I was a little surprised. Well, not understand, but I was a little surprised uh, uh, of the um, of the Oklahoma game on Tuesday. You know, LSU is an interesting team in that, you know, they kind of scheduled down uh, early on, and it seemed to benefit them. But they've been a little hot lately. Um yeah, I was confused with the, the the midweek game against Oklahoma also. You usually don't see that Power 5 conferences play each other midweek. Not this late in the season. Yeah, I, w- I was just surprised. Exactly. Yeah, not, yeah, not during conference. But. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you, what do you think uh, of the team? I haven't watched too much of them, and I don't hear too much about them. I, I try to keep up with multiple – Sports with the Cajuns on this radio show, so I, I just I listen. And I don't hear too much about LSU softball. I just wasn't sure if uh, just wasn't very interested in it or what. I know we talked about baseball. So. Yeah, I, I don't. I, it, it's it's a strange deal. You know, LSU softball. Um, I you know they, they've it, had a good program with Beth Torino as their their. They've had a good program, you know, they've had a good program for a long time. I just, every once in a while we get a call, but it's not even just this team. I mean, going back years, I don't know, we've just never, I've never hardly had ever anyone call about LSU softball. I'm I'm talking going back 10, 12, 15 years. You know, I have no problem talking about it. It's just, there's never really seemed to be a lot of interest and people that call the show, and so it's just kind of falling by the wayside. But, no, I got no issues with it. Cool. And what's your perspective on uh, the LSU baseball and South Carolina series, how they only play two games? How do you think that's going to play a factor in the uh, seeding for the tournament and stuff? Yeah, like, I mean, I don't, or, I don't I think – I know they're in two different yeah. divisions, but – I don't. I don't. I don't think you talking about the seating for the for the regional or the SEC tournament. For the, the SEC tournament, because I know obviously they're in two different divisions. Do do they do kind of like the basketball where it's the top teams, or they separate them in divisions like football? I'm pretty sure it's seed one all the way down, and, and so I don't. I don't okay. think it'll make a a a, a, a difference at at all. I you they know I think. Less game as of right now, right? And 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 you're right. You know that uh, it a similar situation could creep. It you know between now and the rest of the schedule. But no, I I wouldn't be real concerned about that. I don't I don't think it's going to impact much. Plus, both of All those right. teams, no matter what happens in the SC tournament, I don't think it's really going to impact their seed very much. Yeah, for and a LSU still stay number one yeah. after losing the first game and come back win on the second game. So obviously the they don't really care about the tie series. 
LSU still the number one team. It's clear cut. Well, again, rankings and seeding process are two different issues. But no, both of these teams, unless somebody really falls apart, which I don't know that anybody's predicting that, you know, are going to be number one seeds. It's just, you know, they may not both be national seeds. We'll see what South Carolina does. But I, I think they'll both be number one seeds. For sure. I agree. All right. Thank you for the call, sir. Have a good afternoon. You too. No, I, I, don't, I don't know. I Again, I have zero problem talking to LSU softball. Uh, we don't follow them on a game-by-game basis, but certainly feel free to call anytime. And, I, it, again, it, it, I don't know, just never had a lot of calls over the years for LSU softball. Um, so I don't know as far as gauging interest on it, but I got no issues talking about it. And the, I do think their scheduling this year was very interesting. They kind of scheduled down early, and it seemed to benefit them. They got off to a poor start, but they played well of late. So we'll see what they what they do down the straight stretch. And again, look, I guess it's not out of the question the Cajuns could be there again. We some people feel like they go every year. They don't go every year. Is again, and since Coach Coach Glasgow's been here, he's been to Oxford and Clemson. So it's not like it's always that, but it tends to be that a lot of the time for sure. All right, we'll take a timeout and reunite with our good friend Craig Melanson next. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. We have with us Mr. Craig Malonso. How are you, sir? I am doing well. But can I can we talk softball just for a second before we get to baseball? Absolutely. I, I just think the easiest way to to get to the the women's college world series is hosting. And I understand if you're a fifteen or sixteen seed, you're gonna you're gonna play one or two. But to advance, the easiest way to is advance is playing at home and i think you have to take it one step at a time if you start looking for the college world series you're not you're not going to get there because you're not focusing at the task at hand okay again i think both of these arguments have a lot of good point but what percent see i i i think I I mean, and we're just throwing out numbers here just yep. to, for impressions. I mean, none of this is, is exact science. I would say if you travel as like a 17, 18, 19 seed, then you have probably, I don't know, 40, 50% chance maybe of winning um, that, that regional on the road. Whereas if you were at home, you might have a 60 to 70% chance. But then if you happen to win with that 40 to 50% chance, but then and, and, and then you have like a um, 
you know, another 40 to 50 percent chance, 30, 40, 50 percent chance of winning in the regional. If you win with your 60 to 70 percent chance as a 14, 15 or 16 seed, then I think you have about a zero percent chance, maybe a five percent chance of winning that super regional at Oklahoma or someplace. I, I'm, I'm going to go back and look at it, and I'll, I'll email you as I always do with, with with numbers. But I think it's less than a 10 percent chance. Sometime within the last three years, I know all 16 seeds advance. None of the, none of the uh, other teams advance. Uh, uh, it, and some of the when, when they did advance, I think that it, uh, one of them was, I think Auburn or Clemson hosted when they were not a number one seed, but the number one seed didn't have the facilities to host. I think I think you're closer to 10% uh, chance of winning on the road in the first round. But I'll uh, we'll look at it later. I, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I've just always felt I, like you have a much better chance of beating a 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 seed than you do a 1, 2, or 3 seed. I, I just... I, and I do believe that as well, but at the same time, I think hosting gives you the best opportunity to advance. So, Oh, no, I, I agree with that. But again, uh, no, again, it's a fascinating argument, and we've had this argument forever. I yeah. just, um, I just, I've always thought that it was about getting to the World Series, not about getting to a Super Regional. It's kind of like... I remember the one of the first this happened this was probably 30 years ago and there was a a state baseball tournament at the high school level and I want to say the coach was from DeRitter. I could be wrong it was from somewhere in that area and he had this stud pitcher that everyone was talking about and he didn't pitch him in the state semifinals and everyone was questioning him. And he said, my goal was not to get to the finals. It was to win the state championship. And I thought that my stud pitcher had a much better chance of being, uh, we had a much better chance of winning the state championship if my stud pitcher pitched the final and my number two pitcher pitched in the semis. And not everybody's going to believe that, but it's the same concept. And so anyway, it's an argument that there are good arguments on both sides. All right. What was more upsetting to you long term, the baseball loss or the softball loss last night? Uh, definitely baseball, but I, I want to correct something on the CJ Willis play that one of your callers said. W- yes. When that happened, there was one out. There were runners on first and second. The ball was hit to John Taylor. He flipped it to CJ. Yes, CJ did not make the throw for the double play, so that left the men on first and third, and then the next batter struck out. No one scored that play. Believe me, I'm, I'm I'm upset about it, but that play did not cause anyone to to score at all. So uh, that it had no effect on on the final outcome of the game, except for the fact that your pitcher threw to one more batter. Um, uh, thank you for clearing that up. All right, so I am not a huge fan of five game weeks. Now I've never tried to create a schedule, so I'm not. I, I'm just saying I'm not a huge fan of five-game weeks this late in the year. Where where do you stand on all that? Well, I I would tend to agree with you, but, again, I don't think it's as easy as, you know, you said I heard you mention that you didn't want to win. When Southeastern didn't have a midweek game, this was their first one. You know, we don't know that when we're making out the schedule. We can't ask them where they're going. 
I agree with you, but at the same time, it gave some guys some uh, an opportunity to pitch that would not have pitched. And as we get later into the season, uh, probably not going to pitch at all. So I, I agree with you, but I don't think that's why we lost the game. All right. So you brought up a point that I was was the next kind of that I was going to get. I'm getting. I was planning on getting to next. It is as the as we get later in the season. They used six pitchers in three games in West Virginia, and you're not going to be able to do that every. That's just like perfect, you know, best case scenario. But I think even though you're not going to be able to get away with six pitchers in three games every weekend, I think we're at the point where they're starting to limit their options here. And so, where do we? Where do Ben Tate? Blake Marshall and Brendan Moody fit into all that. You think? I think you're you're going to see them pitch. Uh, I think Coach Stegg still has confidence in all three of them. Um, I, I think they all get in trouble when they start pitching up and don't get the strike um, uh, on on the high strikes. So they've got to learn to pitch down and. Um, you're going to see them. I think you're going to see all three of them this weekend and probably hopefully for more than one inning or more than one batter. Christie has had a lot of, a lot of really good moments. Uh, and so I think he's still very much in their plans. Obviously, Fluno has pitched fabulous. Cooper Rawls has pitched fabulous. And the other guy who, you know, he's been out for so long, sometimes we tend to forget, hopefully – Hopefully, Dylan Toyd's going to be back. How worried are you about that hopefully part of it? Um, just talking to a few people, I mean, I think he goes back to the doctor next week. He is throwing the ball right now, so he's not throwing from, from the mound, but he is throwing um, 30 feet or so, 40 feet, last time I spoke to somebody. So I am hopeful that he will be back. Will he be Dylan Toit that we knew at the end of last year that that's that will remain to be seen. Do you think has it crossed your mind? And I I certainly understand what what they're planning. But has it crossed your mind that they're better off just starting Cooper if he's going to be in a situation where he's going to throw four or five or six innings in relief? I, I don't think so because Cooper is still. Uh, mindset of a reliever and I think we kind of saw uh, I think Brandon Talley last year um, even though he was a starter and a Friday night guy I think he would have done better in relief I think Cooper's got that bulldog mentality and preparing to start a game is much different than preparing to come in I, I understand you know he's throwing he's been throwing four or five innings and I think that's where you see uh, him coming in. And uh, I think in all three of his last outings, I think he gave up home runs. But because we had big leads, he was being told, throw strikes, get us, you know, get us out of here. Let's just keep the game moving along. We're going to score. And I think it's more of a problem for our hitters uh, when, when Cooper – comes out we've got to we've got to tack on runs we've got to do that to help him 
All right, so the Max Marshak patient game seems to be working now. And so when DeBarge comes back, and if Max continues his upward trend, this lineup has a chance to be pretty good come conference tournament time. Yeah, to your point about Max, in his last seven games, batting three twenty three. Uh, you know, 957 OPS. I don't want to get into a lot of stats, but he has really come on, and that's the part where you don't like seeing the guy's batting average because I think it's 197 on the season. But you, you, you're you moving him back to uh, to third, and I think you see John Taylor at second, and then you've got options with both C.J. Willis and uh, Mason, Mason uh, ooh, Zambo. At first, yeah, I think that makes it much more deadlier lineup. I'd like to see Connor Higgs in the outfit a little bit more, but at the same time, you're, you're kind of looking not as much of an upper, upwards trend with Vayon, but he is giving a little spark here and there. So uh, I don't want to see him totally pulled out of the lineup. Not that third outfield spot not being more productive. That that might be in my top two or three is the most surprising thing of this season so far. I I really thought they'd get more production from that third outfield spot. Well, I, I don't know how many people. Um, Vayon came into the season hurt, and, and and at the end of the fall, I was told that that Vayon was only going to bat. He was not going to be in the field. Uh, because of uh, because of his arm or his shoulder, uh, he's playing in the field, and how much of that wears his arm down? I guess we'll never know because uh, Coach Deggs feels like uh, that he he's there and he's his best option right now. But again, sooner or later, you got to look at these kids and uh, the younger ones with Higgs and some of the other ones out there. All right, so obviously not a good loss last night. Are you, even before that game, or and especially now that they didn't win last night's game, is is it worth playing the RPI game for baseball, or is there is there no light at the end of the tunnel, or do you just forget about all that as a Cajun baseball fan and just try to win as many series as you can from here on out and hopefully you, you, you play well in Montgomery again? I think... If you look at what's coming up with uh, with Troy, with um, with Troy, with Texas State, with Coastal Carolina, we've got we've got these are huge games, and you have to win series. I agree with you. I don't think I should say I don't think you look at the RPI because when we look at we when we look at it, we only look at it in terms of our team. We don't look at it of what the rest of the league did or what our opponents did or what our opponents' opponents have done because all of that plays into your RPI. We only look at it as what happens to us, and I think that's a, a bad way to look at it, especially when you're playing 60 games in a baseball season. There's a lot of baseball left to be played, and I think I do think we have an opportunity to get our RPI down there to get in that large bid. But I don't think that's your concern at this point. Just win series, and the rest of it will take care of itself. All righty, sir. I appreciate your time and perspective as always. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. See you at the ballpark this weekend. 
This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. We have with us our friend, Mr. Tom. How are you, sir? I know when we last spoke, you were going to be heading to California. I'm assuming you made it safely. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm on the 11th floor of the Hotel Roosevelt, directly across from the Grauman Chinese Theater. Wow. And, yeah, it's really nice. I'm, um, uh, that's my fourth favorite thing is movies after those three sports. Track and field, baseball, horse racing, and movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, so are, are we down, am I thinking right, are we down to one uh, – Derby prep race, or am I missing you? Yeah, here? but the, the Lexington one's Saturday, and uh, Disarm, a horse that, that ran in, uh, uh, I think, in the Louisiana Derby, I'm not sure, uh, is going to try to get enough points to get in. Other than that, I don't see really any horse in that race that could win the Derby is what I mean. So that's it. Basically, we've got it set. We've got the morning line set. Where I can tell you the six or seven horses that I think can win this, and that's basically it. All right, so let's go back to last weekend. I know you were very excited about the Santa Anita. How did all that go down? Absolutely. That went absolutely perfect. The horse that I like, Practical Move, he won, but boy, that other Japanese horse, Mandarin Hero, he probably won't make the field unless there's some scratches, unless some horses drop out. But Practical Move, really held on. He he didn't pull away from this horse, but he kept running and wouldn't let him pass. But both of them, if Mandarin Hero gets in, that Japanese horse has a shot. But yes, the Santa Anita Derby worked perfect. Uh, the, the Bluegrass with Tappet Trice and Verifying, that was a good race. A very good race. And both of those horses could win the Derby. The Wood, well that was won by um, what's his name? I can't even remember that horse. Anyway, the wood has not produced. Oh, that's right, the long shot. <laughs> I forgot about that. Lord Miles, I believe is his name. He paid about $100, paid $120. Um, but the wood has not produced a winner in the Derby for quite a while. So it's not likely that it'll come from there. So all three of the preps were good. They were exciting. They were close. They had almost a triple dead eight in the wood. But I think the Santa Anita Derby is the only one that you need to focus on right now. So for a Derby prep race, is that like the worst case scenario to have a long shot win? It's it's not a worst case scenario, but it hurts. It doesn't hurt anybody. It hurts the horses that that they thought could win, like Hit Show and Dreamlike, and they were right there. They both could have won. But by not winning, Dreamlike is out. He's not going to be able to get enough points. Uh, Hit Show is probably in. He'll get enough points. But Lord Miles, this was a crazy race. I mean, everybody else was back. 
those three were almost nose to nose at Guar. But it does hurt in terms of what you thought was a favorite. I don't think Lord Miles can win this, but then I didn't think Rich Strike could win last year. So what else is new? All right. So when we talk, we talk about football and basketball and baseball all the time. And we talk about so-and-so won the game, but what people don't realize if this would have happened, if this would have happened. You know, I think there's a fair amount of that in horse racing, it seems, too, because sometimes we just automatically assume the horse that won is dominant, is going to win tonight. But you just never know about trips, especially in the Derby. So, how how much wiggle room do you give with those top four or five or, or six right now? Yeah, quite a bit. I, I don't think we have the same situation we had with Rich Strike last year. Rich Strike and the 20 horses was the only horse, and the only horse in the race who, who could finish, you know, could end the race running. And he was the only one, and he had the perfect trip. Anytime you go back and watch Derby 22, it's an example of the perfect trip. Other than that, I think all of these horses that I do like, are going, one of them's going to win, I think. I think that's the case this year. And here's the example. Like Forte is opening odds at 7-2. to two. The next horse, Tappet Trice, is 8-1. to one. <laughs> So uh, Forte is the overwhelming favorite at this point. So if he makes the derby, he'll probably be something like 2-1. to one. If he if he starts, and um, overall, like, do you do you feel? I don't know if you were going to put a percentage. You think he, if he goes off two to one and as dominant as he looks, he probably has what a sixty seventy percent chance of winning? Or how would, would you more how like would you classify that chance? Because he's more like epicenter was last year. He'll get up there and get on the lead. But I'm not absolutely certain that he can't be beat. You know, I just think that there's that extra 220 yards is absolutely important in a horse race, and it really shows in the Derby. So we're hoping. I mean, if you're hoping if you've got this horse that he does that and goes off at a positive number, like six dollars or seven dollars or some money like that, and they don't bet him down to even money or something crazy like that. So. I, I, I think that this is a much more, um, whatever you want to call it, a much more uh, congealed derby around one horse rather than last year they had Epicenter and Zandon and a couple other horses that could run. I think this is the best horse. But, I mean, you know, you, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said like other sports. If one thing happens here and doesn't happen there, then things change. If it happens here and it doesn't happen there, then things change. So from here on out, basically, we're trying to keep the horse healthy and ready to run on, I guess it's May the whatever, first Saturday in May. All right. So the powers that be, the you know, the yeah. upper crust in horse racing, they want yeah. the Derby to be unpredictable, or do they like this more recent trend of it being predictable? Um, well, I wouldn't say so much that. I would say that the main thing that you want with an early – three-year-old this is early three-year-olds they haven't had a lot of experience what you want to do is is train them up to this race so the key to doing the derby is to watch the workouts it doesn't matter if it's at churchill or keenan or gulfstream or anywhere watch the workouts watch what this horse is doing 
and also look at what the progression of the horse is. Has he gotten better in every race? Has he gotten better as he went longer? And that's the key. Now, Todd Pletcher doesn't care. He's got three or four horses in this race, and all of them can win. They're all in that category. Um, I mean, he's it. Without Baffert, Pletcher's the guy that's got the most horses this year. So you're saying there are there are no horses if they run a great race Saturday that you think could get in the mix? Uh, yeah, there's about 12 horses that can't win, I think. I just don't think they're fast enough. You know, you know how it is when you talk about fast enough. I mean, you can't squeeze any more juice out of a lemon. Some of these horses can only run so fast. And I mean, but I could give you the names of the horses I think can win. I mean, in order, I think they're going to win. My, my my favorite is a horse called Two Field, Two One, the Jeff Ruby uh, Jeff Ruby Stakes in uh, Turfway Park. That's the same race that Rich Strike came out of last year. So, and he is fast. If he gets close to the lead, he can win. And then you've got Verifying and you've got Forte, who both can stay close. Tappet Trice. That's the craziest horse I've ever seen. He doesn't get running until he's about five furlongs into the race. And then he's got a huge stride, almost as long as, as Secretariat. And he just lumbers along. So if he gets to lumber, and he could be tough. Angel of Empire that won the Arkansas Derby has a possible chance. Kings Barn, who won the, uh, the uh, uh, Louisiana Derby, he'll be up close to the lead. And then the Japanese horse, Derma Satagati. If they, if he gets, he'll be there. And if this Mandarin hero that ran second to practical move manages to get in, and I told you on a text earlier that watch the Japanese horses this year. They can go 10 furlongs without breaking a sweat. So if they stay in the pace and they, and they get there, a Japanese horse could win this derby this year. All right, sir. We appreciate your time as always. Be careful out there uh, in always. L.A. and don't don't do too much California. And uh, <laughs> have have a safe trip. Right. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Kevin. This is footnotes on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. Not to worry. We have EMT standing by just in case Foote passes out. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes on the game. Got time for a few minutes. If you have a reaction to horse racing or anything else going on, we, um, again, I like chaos. You know, when it comes to, like, college football, NCAA tournament, and in the horse racing game, but it seems like the trend keeps going in the other direction. So um, I I said it many times I'm not uh, anywhere uh, I would consider myself a novice in the horse racing game although I've have always had some casual interest in it 
And um, I prefer when it was more unpredictable, and we'll see. Maybe we'll still get surprised because there's the – we talked about the ride, and um, sometimes you get a tricky ride, especially in the Derby, and there can be a bit of an upset. We'll see what happens, but Mr. Thomas got us prepared for that. Uh, we're not; It's not that far away, the, the Kentucky Derby uh, weekend, for sure. All right, let's go. Okay. Um, one thing that we forgot, I forgot to mention earlier that I had written down in my notes and somehow I, I overlooked it, having to do with the Astros, yesterday was the 20th, it's unbelievable, the 20th straight getaway win. Like the Astros are becoming experts, and that includes the postseason, of from going from one city to another on a, what we call a getaway day. They becoming the getaway day experts. And 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 lately, you know, obviously this year, it's been about salvaging. You know, they salvaged against the Tigers. They salvaged against the Twins. And they didn't salvage yesterday, but it was a getaway day. Uh, they've got quite a streak going. They, they, they've won every getaway day since early August of last season. So when you talk about basically all of August, all of September, the postseason, um, three rounds of the postseason last year, plus the first two weeks of this season, they've won every getaway day game. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, that, that's kind of uncanny, but it's a good thing. I, I, as we think, if you, as you might imagine, makes for a great um, road trip. When you get on a plane to travel somewhere else, you, you feel a little better about yourself because I was thinking about that earlier when we were talking about some of these other teams that weren't winning. Um, sometimes, even when you're really struggling, man, a win just feels good especially if you're willing. It's amazing how your whole approach can change if you just win a game or two here, uh, even if you're if you're really struggling. So um, someone called earlier about LSU softball, and, and by the way, it's, it's a good opportunity. You know, we're going to tend to talk about the same teams most of the time. You know, Saints, Cajuns, Tigers, and that kind of stuff. And even within, like, the Tigers or the Cajuns, there are sports that we hardly ever talk about. And so if you want to change and discuss the subject, certainly feel free. Don't ever feel like, oh, they're not talking about it. You can't talk about it. It's a no-no on that show. That's just not accurate. I've never really thought that. And so certainly feel free to call. But probably the most that we've talked about LSU softball other than when they're playing the Cajuns involves recruiting. And I just, and I'm not saying this to bash anyone cause I'm not, I'm just talking about how, how difficult it is to make that transition. Macy Bergeron was as good a, um, as productive a college a high school softball player we've had in this area in a long time. So far this year, LSU and 70 at bat, she's hitting 186 with no homers and seven RBIs. So just think about how dominant she was, all the records that were set, and how difficult of a transition that is uh, to go from 
high school dominant to college. It, it's 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 a tougher step than a lot of people realize. And I think the ones that can make that transition smoothly, it, it, it's impressive. Um, you know, and also show like look at how many Cajuns are that were freshmen that you know like whether it's um, Vasquez or whether it's um, you know Victoria Valdez early on she looked and she's had some bumps in the roads and 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 they it, 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 I think too many people just assume if you start out great or if you had an unbelievable high school career that you're going to make that transition to the next level and it's just sometimes it just never happens and for some it takes a while and sometimes um, those results and those expectations have to be tempered a little bit but um, but no it, LSU we mentioned earlier in the week. Uh, maybe on Monday, you know, they're tied for seventh in the conference with Florida and Alabama, and it wasn't that – you don't have to go too far back before, you know, Florida and Alabama were dominating this conference. And um just shows you that there there are no guarantees to stay at the top forever, no question, no guarantees for that, but we'll see. What happens? They LSU softball plays at Auburn this weekend, and we'll follow that and a lot of others as we um, go on, come out of this upcoming weekend, and come back on Monday. That's it for today. Y'all have a nice day.